River Glen, thank you, thank you. It's good to be with you today. Uh, I really believe that God has something for each and every one of us. Welcome to those of you here in the space in Waukesha, those of you with us in Pewaukee or online, welcome. Uh, my name is Mike Francisco, and I am a church planter, uh, pastor at 1128 Community Church, and you might remember a few back few months ago, back in like February, uh, Ben invited me to join on stage uh, to, to share that 1128 in Oak Creek is the next church that River Glen is helping to start. And uh, you guys have been such a blessing to us, uh, but not only us, over the last decade plus, you guys have helped to start so many churches uh, locally, regionally, nationally, globally. You guys are making a difference. You guys are really living out that kingdom mission. So well done. Give yourselves a, a pat on the back, a round of applause. Thank you for all that you do. Now, I talk about 1128 community all the time. I love to talk about it. And the, the thing I get, though, is I say, like, I'm starting 1128 community. And people say, what's 1128? Like, what does that mean? Like, uh, 1128 a.m. or p.m.? Like, where are we at? And I, I like to point them back to Matthew 1128 through 30. It's a passage we probably have all heard, but it says uh, there, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And for us, uh, we see this as an invitation to do life different, to live freely and lightly. And as a church launching in Oak Creek, we're excited to help people do life different uh, by setting rhythms and values with Jesus at the center. And I'm really excited to tell you we're launching the last weekend in October. And originally when I said last weekend in October, I just thought that'll be a nice Sunday. And then I started to process, that's Halloween. So we're going to have a big party, a big launch party on Halloween uh, in October. And I'm really excited. This week we actually nailed down that we're going to meet in the Oak Creek Community Center. Uh, they got a big space there. We're going to meet 10 a.m. that Sunday, October 31st, and, and just can't wait to get there. If you know people in Oak Creek, maybe it's a, a family member, a friend, a co-worker, an old roommate or somebody, you know anybody in Oak Creek or that area, let them know that we're coming to town, that we're launching, and invite them to join us that weekend. Now, we're, uh, we're, we're getting into things in Oak Creek. Uh, it's not like we're just kind of hoping to show up that weekend. Uh, July 4th, we participated in the Oak Creek Parade. They say that it was the biggest parade Oak Creek's ever had. 12,000 people, they think they had. And we showed up for the parade with 3,040 ice-cold bottles of water, and that was a hit because if you remember 4th of July, it was like 90, 95 degrees. I think the humidity was 1,000%. We were drenched. The crowd was drenched. We ran out of water. We got to like that last bend, and we saw like thousands of people left, and it was, it was so much fun, though. Uh, we had a great time. Out of that weekend, out of that 4th of July weekend, we got tons of momentum with people checking out our website, people checking out our social media pages. We got a bunch of new likes and follows and, and connections in the community, and it was a blessing and a ton of fun for us to participate in the parade that way. And that's, that set us up for some momentum 
building weeks ahead. In, in the next couple of weeks, we met in the park, a uh, park right in kind of downtown Oak Creek, if you will. And we had 50 adults, students, and kids coming out uh, to the park to join us. And it was, it was community building. It was, uh, it was life-giving for my wife and I to see, like, oh, there's actually some other people crazy enough to join us on this journey of starting a church. Uh, two cool things, though. Uh, the first was each week we had new families that joined us, and it was really special to see them come and say, I didn't know you were going to be here, and see somebody else that they knew. Like, that was so awesome and so encouraging. But being in the park, we also were surrounded by other things, and there was a skate park, uh, and the skate park was full of, you know, like elementary school kids on their scooters, like doing wheelies and stuff. Uh, but it also had like the 45, 50-year-old guys that were like, I can still skate, kind of, right? Like, it, it was, it was, we interacted with everybody. We, there were, we didn't judge, uh, but it was a lot of fun that way. And then in the field, uh, we had people that were playing cricket. Now, I've never played cricket. I know nothing about cricket, but over the last couple of weeks, I have learned a lot about cricket, and, uh, and it turns out there's a league that plays on Sunday mornings in Oak Creek. So it was just a ton of fun to be in the, in the park and to build community and connections there. And I'm excited for where we're going because August is a big month for us. It, again, if you know people in Oak Creek or that area, Invite them to join us for, for a couple things in August. And, and if you don't mind, just pray for us as well. August 15th, we got a bunch of tickets to the Milwaukee Milkmen game. It's a baseball team, Franklin Field. And we're just hoping to have people come, join with us, have fun, and say, that's a fun group of people. I might want to be a part of that church and that launch community. Uh, and then the other thing is August the 29th. We're doing a Sunday morning brunch. And that, I hope is a ton of fun at the American Legion. We're hoping to have 100 plus people come out to hear our heart and our mission, uh, to hear about how we want to be for the community and how we hope to make a difference. So if you know people, invite them to those things. You can find more information on our website, 1128community.org. If you can't find that, go to the River Glen site. There's a link there uh, to 1128 that you can use to, to get all that information. But today, I wasn't invited to, to talk about 1128 and church planting. I would love to. I'd love to do it all morning and, and share all the cool stuff. But I was actually invited to continue this series, Real Prayer for Real People. Now, if, if this is your first time, maybe it's your first time back in a little while, uh, welcome, first of all. But but don't let this be like the only, the only sermon or the only message you hear of this series. Get online, go to the River Glen site, get caught up on these messages because there's so much good, so much potential for life change in each and every one of these weeks. Another cool resource is uh, this prayer text thing that you can get. You can sign up for it by texting 21 prayers to the number on the screen. And what's going to happen is you're going to join the 21-day prayer challenge. And you'll get a text message starting today, August 1st. You'll get a text message with a prayer that aligns with the different themes that we've been working through in this series and a, a passage. And, and you just get to pray and reflect on Scripture each and every day for 21 days. It's going to be really life-giving to each of you. Don't, don't miss using that, that resource. And it's, it's super easy. You don't have to say, set an alarm. You don't have to write it on your calendar. You don't have to do anything. It'll show up, and it's right there for you. So make sure to take advantage of that. Now, I've said that, uh, that we've, 
we're looking at different themes in the Lord's Prayer throughout this series, and, and today I have the privilege of, of talking about confession. First confession uh, of the message here. When I, when I got the email from Ben inviting me to come and share, I was really excited. It said, like, preaching at River Glen. I thought, wow, they're trusting me not to screw something up on the platform over there. And then I, I opened the email, and it said, the topic is confession. And I was like, come on, who wants to talk about confession? Right? Like, nobody wants to talk about confession. Like, why? Come on, Ben, you couldn't give me something like, give us this day our daily bread, or thy kingdom come, thy will be. Confession, like, I, no, I don't want to be the one to talk about confession. I don't think any of us want to confess things. We don't want to admit when we're wrong or when we've made a mistake. Uh, actually, really quick, let's, let's take like a, a five-finger poll here. Uh, if you are the type of person that you just love to confess, if you love to confess, you're going to put five fingers in the air. If you're online, you can put a five in the chat. Uh, you, you're the person that's like, uh, nobody else knows something is wrong yet, and you're like, it was me. It was me. I did it. And everybody's like, okay. Uh, or you're, you're more on the one side of things that you're like, nobody, nobody's going to tell. Like, I'm not confessing to nothing. My wife would say that that's me. Like, I'm not, I'm not telling anything. Where are we at? Give me a five, maybe you're a four, a three. You're going to play it safe. You don't want to, like, hold those fingers up in the air. Let's see. Nobody. Nobody's wanting to confess where they are this morning. Like, we're, I see, was that a four, a three? The, before, the last service, there was somebody that was, like, holding a one above their husband. And then it's like, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys. I think a lot of us, though, tend to be on that one or two side of things where we don't want to confess. We don't like to admit when we're wrong, the mistakes that we've made. It can feel embarrassing, right? It can feel really kind of humiliating at times. I, I recently needed to get a haircut, and I, uh, I didn't realize where this was going at the time. But it was an embarrassing experience for me. I, I looked on the app that morning. I had a busy day, a busy couple days. And I said, oh, my regular girl's not available for a couple days. I'm just going to use somebody. So I, I picked somebody. I ran over there at 9 a.m. to get my hair cut that morning. We talked. The girl was nice enough. She obviously was a professional, so she's cut hair before. She spent about 16 minutes cutting the sides. Like, my sides were awesome. The back was awesome, really nice fade. And, uh, and, and then I started thinking, like, normally I'm in the chair only 20 or so minutes, and, and I've been here 16, and she hasn't touched the top yet. Uh, she sprayed it. She combed it two or three cuts on top, and said, it looks great up there. The length is perfect. You're going to, oh, perfect. It's great. And I said, okay, I trust you. She, she combed it down, squished it on my head with some product. Not my normal hairstyle. I'm normally a faux hawk kind of guy. And, uh, and I just figured, well, I can, I can get home quick, unsquish it, and, and be on my day. I went home. Under the sink, you know, wash it all off, it, towel over my head, dry it all off, look in the mirror, I think a lawnmower, like a dull-bladed lawnmower went over, this was not, it was not even, there, like I was embarrassed, this was a, a mistake that I was like, I can't be seen this way, 
I cannot be seen. Actually, I had a meeting that afternoon at the, the Pewaukee site with Jason and Dave, and I knew if I go in looking like this, those guys are not going to let this go. So I threw on a hat, and I said, I'm just going to ignore it. I don't have time to go back and get it fixed. I'm going to just keep living my day, and I can wear a hat. That's totally fine. Like, I, I can't be seen this way, though. Have you ever been there? Have you ever looked in the mirror and you've said, I can't be seen this way? Maybe it's a black eye. Uh, my wife ran into somebody recently that a kid had caught her in the face with a black eye, or a toy and gave her a black eye, and she didn't want to be seen that way, so she ended up wearing sunglasses inside in a meeting for like an hour. Maybe that's you, or maybe it's the pimple right here, you know, or right here, and it's like, I can't, this is embarrassing, I can't be seen this way, like I'll walk around like this before I'm seen this way. Uh, maybe it's the scar from that, that poor decision you made in your younger days. It's embarrassing. It holds a lot of stuff, a lot of baggage. I think we've all experienced a time where we've thought, I can't be seen this way. Uh, maybe it's this morning. Maybe it's yesterday. Maybe it's years ago. Maybe you've looked in the mirror and you've said, I'm embarrassed by what I see looking back at me. I'm embarrassed by what I carry, the bruises, the baggage, the burdens. I don't like that person. I don't like the sin that I see when I look in the mirror at that person. Maybe you look in the mirror and you see a person that's unworthy of forgiveness. A person that's broken. A person so messed up that nothing, nothing could fix them. No one could forgive them. I'm here today to tell you that there is hope. There, anybody that's been in a church before, you know like there is hope. If you've never been in a church before, I'm telling you there is hope. Because where Jesus is, there is hope. Because Jesus came, Jesus offers forgiveness. And therefore we have hope. We can live in hope. We don't have to to feel that burden. We don't have to live with that shame or that guilt. We can have hope. Confession is the roadmap that we follow to step into this, this hope of forgiveness. Confession changes the person that you see in the mirror. Confession changes the person you see in the mirror. I love reading scripture, though, and, and I love the disciples especially, because I kind of see myself as one of them at times, like asking ridiculous questions, asking Jesus, like, hey, could you just explain, like, the, the way that you made that happen? Or, or maybe it's like, could you just do that one more time so I could see it again? Right? Like, I kind of imagine that I'm, I'm with those guys. I love in Luke where the disciples, they've recognized that there's something powerful, there's something amazing about the way Jesus prays. And they just say, uh, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Like they had, they had obviously seen like Jesus pray amazing prayers and they felt like they had permission to ask, teach us that. You know, we can learn something there. Like we have permission as well to ask Jesus these kind of questions. And Jesus doesn't sit there and say, you fools have been with me all these days, and you don't get it yet. Like, he didn't say that. He didn't say, like, what's wrong with you? There was no judgment there. 
It's almost like when my son talks to his teacher and says, teacher, he doesn't always remember her name, but teacher, how do I do this thing? The teacher responds with grace and compassion and says, JJ, you do it like this. Jesus responds to these questions with that kind of compassion and kindness, no judgment. And he says, pray like this. Throughout this series, we've been reading the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, out loud together. And there's a couple different versions, so would you join me in reading this version? It's on the screen, uh, out loud right now. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That fourth line... Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus is modeling a prayer of confession. He's modeling this prayer of confession. You see, our mistakes, our missteps, our sin, our backstabbing, our slander, our gossip, our lust, our lies, our cheating, they separate us from God. It breaks the relationship that we have with the Father. It ruins the relationship. And when you have a broken relationship, a ruined relationship, you need something that comes along and helps to fix it. You need that relationship to be restored. You need that relationship to be made new, to be made right. Pastor Pete Gregg, he says, our greatest need and God's greatest gift are the same thing, the forgiveness of sins. Our greatest need is to be forgiven, and the greatest gift that God offers us is that forgiveness. Confession is is the way that we step into this forgiveness. Confession is the tool that allows us to experience the forgiveness that's being offered. Confession changes the person that you see in the mirror. Confession changes us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors is It's a bold prayer. Like, think about this. Like, when I say, forgive us, or forgive me, God, my debts, I'm I'm opening myself up. I'm allowing God to see my insides, to know all the ugly that's there. And I'm saying, God, can you you forgive this? Is it possible? This, This messed up person, can you forgive it? It's bold to ask that kind of thing. It's bold to say, God, See me and forgive me. Have you ever thought about asking the bank to forgive your mortgage and just stop paying it? 
I'm sure you've thought about it, right? But you're not going to actually do it. Same with a car payment, a credit card, right? Like we think these things and then we're like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to ask that. That's crazy. Like they'll never go for that. That's what we're doing when we ask God to forgive us. We're asking this ridiculous thing, and, and in our minds we might say, this, God's never going to go for that, but God does. God goes for it. God says, yes, I will forgive your debt. I will forgive you. Asking for our debt to be erased is bold. First John, it says that if we confess, he is faithful. If we confess, he'll forgive us. If we confess, God will purify us. If we confess, it changes the person you see in the mirror. Our mirror is cloudy with all that stuff. But if we confess, it's going to change that. It's going to change that. Frederick Buchner, he's a Presbyterian minister, a theologian, and I love what he says. He says, confessing your sins to God is not to tell God something that God doesn't already know. Think about that. Like, when you confess to God all this stuff, all your missteps, your mistakes, your mess, when you confess that stuff to God, it's nothing new. God already knows. And when we confess, when we step into that, it's not surprising to God. But God still has this forgiveness for us. And he goes on to say, until we step into that moment, there remains the abyss between you. Until we step into this place of confession, there's a gap. Until we confess, the relationship's not made right. Until we confess, it's broken. God knows us. God sees us. And God still offers us forgiveness. You know, the first part of confession is to confess to God. The second part of confession is to confess to others. Yeah, James, the brother of John, uh, the, the brother of Jesus, he tells us to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. When we confess to others, we can experience real healing. When we confess to God, we can experience forgiveness and freedom. And when we confess to others, we can experience healing. Back in 2009, my wife and I were just married, a couple months only, and, and I felt like, man, I'm supposed to step into to some seminary classes. We were living in California, Menlo Park, and there was a, a campus for Fuller Theological Seminary there, and so I said, it's, it's super easy. I can work during the day, I can go to class at night, and class on the weekends, and in no time, I'll, I'll be a graduate of a, of a seminary. And it was great. That first year was great. But by the time we got to the fall of 2010, life had taken all kinds of twists and turns. And we felt, we felt burdened. We felt tired. It felt like we were in this downward spiral of things. And we were just trying to maintain and get by in life. 
I probably wasn't as focused as I should have been on school. And in the fall of 2010, I failed my first class. Like, I'd never failed a class before, right? Elementary school, middle school, high school, college. I'd never failed a class. I got, I got close a couple times, but I'd never failed a class. And here I am, a seminary student, failing a class. I felt, I felt horrible. I felt embarrassed. I wanted to avoid it. I wanted to, to cover it up. That's what I did, actually. I hid it. I kept it to myself, and I didn't tell anybody because I felt like I had let down friends and family, my small group. I didn't want them to know. 2011, 2012, again, just trying to maintain, trying to get by. And in 2012, we had an opportunity to leave California and move back to the Midwest where we grew up. And it felt like this is a chance to restart. And I really needed it because in 2011, I failed another class and then another class and then another class. And by the summer of 2012, I'd failed five classes. And nobody knew a thing. Nobody knew. You see, I told myself, all I have to do is keep pushing forward and get to the end and get that diploma. That's all that matters. Everybody will see that diploma and think, wow, well done. And the mistakes, the missteps I made will be taken care of. They don't ever have to know about this part of the journey. And I, I felt like it was my burden to carry. I took one class at a time the rest of the way, not because I, I chose to, but because I was put on probation and I was told you could take one class at a time. And in May of 2018, I got to that spot of saying, all right, I think I'm ready to graduate. So I emailed my, my advisor and I said, hey, I am ready to graduate. Am I good to go? And she got back to me, yes, we're submitting the paperwork. We're taking care of it. You're going to be a graduate in about a month's time. Congratulations, Mike. Like you've pushed through, you've persevered. You're going to be a graduate. And I went home that night and I told everybody, like, I was telling people I didn't even know, like, I'm a graduate. You know, like, I was excited. I told my wife. I told our friends. I told our extended family. I said, we're going out for steak. It was a great night. And that next morning, sitting in my cubicle at work, I got the email that I think is probably the hardest email I've ever gotten. Hey, Mike. Uh, turns out your GPA is, is too low, and it doesn't meet our threshold for graduation. You've completed all the classes, and that's what I was looking at, but I, I didn't look at the GPA side of it, so you, you can't graduate. Actually, you need to take three more classes and get A's in those classes to graduate. And you got a year to do it because you're coming up on this 10-year window before credits expire. That was, a, that was a pretty hard email to get. 
Apparently, failing five classes is not good for the GPA. (laughs) But I, I sat in that moment just feeling like, okay, how do I explain this? How do I tell my wife that, that yesterday I was graduating and today I've got like, to figure out how to make this work? How do I explain that I've had this secret for seven plus years and, and, and now it's kind of coming back now? Like, I can't. I got no one to blame but myself. I got no one to blame but myself. Now, my wife is kind, caring, compassionate, filled with way more grace than I have, but I was still nervous to go home that night and and to confess and tell her and to share with her this story, to share with her this journey, but I knew it's what I had to do. And I went home that night, and I I timidly stepped into the conversation, and I told her everything. And she didn't sit there with this blank stare on her face like a lot of us guys do. And she she didn't say, what have you done with all the time that you've spent? Or think of all the money that you've wasted on failing. She didn't bring up any of that stuff. Instead, she said, what do we need to do to fix it? What do we need to do to fix it. I'll never forget that. Because in that moment, that burden was, was kind of lifted. No longer was I, myself, Mike, no longer was I carrying it alone. She was in it with me. We were carrying the burden. She was going to help me. We were going to fix it. We were going to take care of it. I felt this healing any disconnect between the two of us, it was erased. And in, and in 2019, when this guy arrived in the mail, we went out to Outback Steakhouse for dinner. And that, that was, it was so special. It was so, so special. It was probably more special in 2019 than it would have been in 2018 because of the forgiveness and the healing that was there. You know, my wife, she expressed those things to me so well. She reflected Jesus to me so well. And you know why? It's because the person in her mirror had already been changed. She had experienced the forgiveness and the grace of the Father, and she was able to look in the mirror and see that she was forgiven, and she was able to become a person of forgiveness. You see, confession, it changes the person that we see in the mirror, but it also changes the way that we see others. It allows us to step into this place of offering healing. And my wife showed me that. Today, I just want you to consider, who do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you you look in a mirror that's got this film this baggage, the bruises? Is it the sum of all your mistakes that you see? A person that's embarrassing, a person you don't like? Or do you see a person forgiven by God? Who do you see? God wants you to see a person that's forgiven. 
God wants you to see a person that's healing. God wants you to see a person that's able to offer forgiveness. God wants nothing more than to take the microfiber rag and some rubbing alcohol and to wash that film away. Right? God wants you to see clearly a forgiven person. A person that's able to forgive. God wants that for you. Who do you see looking back at you in your mirror? Today we have a chance to step into this moment of confession. Uh, to go before God and to say, God, I've got, I've got baggage. I've got a mess would you forgive me? And remember, God already knows your mess and your baggage. There's nothing too big. You're not too broken. Like God sees that, God knows that, and God still offers forgiveness to you. Today God's asking you, would you meet me there? Or maybe you need to confess to somebody else and, and experience the healing that they could offer. After service, we're actually going to have people at the connect wall standing by, ready to pray with you and for you. And that's at both campuses online. Uh, you can hit that request prayer button and, and there's people that want to pray with you if you're ready to step into that moment of confession. And maybe you're not you're not quite there yet. It's okay. Maybe you need some time to process, but don't wait too long. Like, there's nothing to be worried or nervous about. God already knows it. But if you need time, maybe later today or later in the week, get on the River Glen website, fill out that digital welcome card, and somebody will be ready to pray with you at that time. Imagine your life if you step into this moment of confession. Imagine how it might change. Imagine the, the, the relationships with your friends, with your kids, your grandkids, your siblings, your parents. Imagine how much better they might be if some healing took place. Imagine the impact you could have by living this authentic, genuine, person of forgiveness life that Jesus wants for you. Imagine the difference you could make, the lives that could be changed, if you step into this place of confession today. It's a pretty good life. God dreams those dreams of impact those, those dreams of difference-making. God dreams those dreams for your life. But it starts today by saying, God, change the person I see in the mirror. God, change, change me. Change the person I see in the mirror. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for being a, a gracious, loving Father. Thank you for knowing our mess. 
our burdens, our past, our history, and offering forgiveness anyway. God, some of us in the room today, we've never experienced your forgiveness. We've never experienced the freedom that you offer us. And God, we're ready to step into that now. God, we confess that we've messed up. God, we confess that the relationship is broken. It's in need of healing. God, would you meet us there? And would we know and feel that forgiveness? God, there's others of us today that, that it, we know the forgiveness, but we haven't felt it in a long time. God, remind us that we are forgiven. Remind us that you love us. Remind us that you see us differently. God, help us to be people of forgiveness. Help us to be bold in living that out. And help us to make the difference that you dream for us. And God, we pray all this in your great and powerful and gracious name. Amen.